The art of prophecy is very difficult, especially with respect to the future. Mark Twain. You're listening to Writing Roots, brought to you by Aspen House Publishing. Welcome to Writing Roots. I'm Lee Hole. And I'm Lee Esses. Our topic of discussion today is going to be on the ephemeral. <laughs> That's a pleasant way to put something I hate very much. <laughs> Prophecies, dreams, flashbacks, scenes in a book that don't actually happen can add history and backstory. If you can't tell, the other Lee really, really doesn't like dreams, flashbacks, prophecies. The series I'm reading currently, the Jack Reacher series, I've read, I want to say, close to 30 books. I don't think I've seen one flashback, one dream sequence, no prophecies by far. I don't even think I've seen a prologue. Well, that's because you're reading action, dear. <laughs> yes, that might also have something to do with the raised hair on the back of my neck when we talk about this kind of thing. These storytelling elements are very, very genre-specific. If you're writing action, you're not likely going to have a prophecy. If you're writing fantasy, yes, there's prophecy galore in fantasy. <laughs> and I will have you know, the first fantasy book I ever wrote, one of the characters had a superpower which was to tell two different possible futures because she dreamed two different possible futures. So not only is there prophecy, there is dreams. But I'm pretty sure I've taken that off of my professional shelf because it's lame. <laughs> so today, we're going to talk about how to use these things correctly, how to use them to add and benefit your story. That is a huge problem when it comes to throwing in a flashback is that it pulls them out of the moment to something they may not understand. So we're going to start first with prologues. That's where a prologue belongs, right? Yeah, the beginning. <laughs> <laughs> Couple of things about prologues. If it has your main character in it, it's not a prologue. It's a chapter one. Prologues should be short by nature, and this is not just because I don't like them. This is because... It should not be a hook. It shouldn't be something to draw the audience in. It needs to be a scene of the daughter being kidnapped when the main character is the dad. It's a way to set the stage for the rest of the story. In the book that I'm currently working on, the prologue is the villain's origin story. It's a couple hundred words long, maybe a thousand at most. Yeah, I believe it's less than a page. Yeah, it's a very short prologue, but it gives a little bit of context as to the motivations of the bad guy. Without needing a bad guy monologue. Yes. It removes that monologue, that flashback that I might have to put in later to make his motivations make sense. But it's not spoiling the story. And that's essentially what a prologue should be doing. It should be adding a depth to your story without overburdening your readers. One place I see prologues used well is actually crime dramas, and they're used to build suspense. So you see the cheerleader getting murdered in the alleyway. You know a little bit about the murder. You know more than the main characters do. Prologues are a good way to build that suspense. That leads into another aspect of prologues. When you're writing the prologue, you need to write it like you're writing the first chapter. It needs to have that same kind of momentum and hook. But you also need that still in your first chapter, because you have to remember, there are lots of readers out there that skip 
prologues. So if it is essential to the story that they read the prologue, just make it a chapter one. The prologue is often separate but distinct. I can't remember if it was Frankenstein or Adam, which is a Ted Decker book I was reading around the same time. But their prologue was a newspaper article. So that gives it a separate but distinct feel. Something that they can use to set the story without it being the story. Something to be very, very careful about with prologues is an info dump. It still needs to be story. And it needs to have characters, motivation, change, a catalyst event that is the reason why that prologue is being included in the first place. So to going back to my example of my own prologue, it starts right away with the villain of my story holding the body of his dead wife that he killed by accident when experimenting with magic. And it's a good taste for the rest of your book. And most importantly, keep it short. Yes, as short as possible. In fact, don't do it at all. And sometimes do it <laughs> with caution. <laughs> so on to the next aspect, dreams. Oh, dreams. I see a lot of superfluous dreaming out there. I don't get why most dreams exist in writing. I don't dream more than twice a year, so I guess maybe that's just part of who I am. But there's never anything of value that happens in a dream. I have weird, weird dreams all the time. I have actually gotten some book ideas from dreams, but I would never say that my dreams are important for my life because they are just weird. If you're thinking about having a dream in there, why? Is it relevant to the plot? While I have a lot of issues with J.K. Rowling and how she used dreams in hers, there was a very, very good reason for it. So Harry had a lot of dreams about Lord Voldemort, like he was seeing through Voldemort's eyes. What we found out in book seven, because he was a horcrux, he had a piece of Voldemort's soul in him. And so having those dreams that connected him that he saw through the other Horcrux's eyes made sense in the end. It was plot relevant. The difficulty for me is that most dreams aren't really coherent. So every time you write a dream, it's not going to be very dreamlike. The general consensus is that when you are dreaming, scenes in your dream last a very, very short amount of time. While in the dream, it may feel like a long time. But what's happening is your brain is compiling a bunch of images and making it something sensical, or in my case, nonsensical, <laughs> depending on your brain. But while we may afterward construct a storyline out of it, in reality, it's just a bunch of really quick flashes over the period of eight hours that may add up to about 30 seconds. Nightmares might offer insight in that regard. If your character is having PTSD, dreams, nightmares might kind of make sense. If you're doing that, do research into PTSD, how that actually affects a person, because it's not always a perfect recreation of that day. Another research tangent, if you feel like it, is lucid dreaming. That is when you become aware that you're dreaming and you start to control what happens in the dream. There is a whole method to lucid dreaming. 
I started a story three or so years ago about people who could lucid dream and connect to each other in lucid dreams across the world. That was the plot of that story. If you want to steal it, go for it. But lucid dreaming is an interesting tangent if you want to go research that. So if you're including dreams, if it is relevant to your plot and you must have it, then put a time limit on it. It should be very short. You're going to hear that a lot this episode. Yes. (laughs) And where it takes place in your book is important. It should probably happen sooner rather than later, especially if it's a prophecy kind of dream or a foreshadowing kind of dream. A lot of the history of dreaming centers around prophecy. Divinities coming to characters in history saying, hey, there's going to be a seven-year famine, and they come to the characters in their dream. So if you do have prophecy happening in your story, dream might be an effective way to communicate that. And if it's not plot relevant, move on. And you're going to hear that about our next topic, too, which is flashbacks. I'm torn on flashbacks. They should never interrupt action with a little asterisk. If a person gets like hit over the head and they get sent into like a weird concussion-fueled state, then maybe. I would also pull PTSD into this category. A use of a flashback is to give new information, to give depth to a character by talking about their backstory. Backstory is a double-edged sword. So when you're using a flashback, you have to be careful that it's not interrupting momentum, that it's not pulling away from the actual story, and that it is short enough that it adds without killing everything. Most often when I see a flashback being written, it's in YA, especially the dystopian style, because your character is flashing back to when they had a happy childhood before the apocalypse. That will tell you a little bit more about the character, but I don't like using flashbacks as a tool for that. (laughs) The one place that I have seen flashbacks used effectively is, I think I've talked about this before on the podcast, Brandon Sanderson's Stormlight Archive series. Every book, he has a character who we see flashbacks from their point of view. It is always at a point that feels natural and always relevant to what is currently going on in the rest of the story. There are two tools I would suggest in order to make it feel natural, and that is one, to only flash back to a single moment in time, and two, set up a real-world trigger for that flashback. So when I am visiting my great-grandpa and he hears that song from the 1940s when he danced at his wedding. Scent is also very connected with memory. And so your character can encounter perfume and remember his first love. These are the kind of triggers that help add a reason for having the flashback at that time. And if you are going to have a flashback, you have to have more than one. It has to be a theme of your story. You can't have a flashback just once and call it good. So for each of these topics that we've talked about, prophecy, dreams, prologues, flashbacks, The content should not stand alone. It should make sense in the rest of the story and be revisited later in the story. One of the questions I see a lot is, do I put it in italics? Maybe. If you are writing it as like a whole separate section, then no. If you have a two-sentence flashback, then yeah, sure. 
It depends on the context of your writing, how long it is, where it is in the story. Your prologue will not be in italics. Your dreams probably are, sometimes depending on how long it is. It's also, in my opinion, more fun to not put stuff in italics so that that line between the two gets a little blurred. These are suggestions, ideas, things to remember as you're writing. Use it with caution. Use it carefully. Use it with purpose. Or don't use it at all. But as you're writing, always remember the most important thing we tell you every episode. Write selfishly. If you have a question or comment for our hosts or a topic you'd like us to cover, send us an email at writingroots at aspenhousepublishing.com or find us on Facebook by searching for Aspen House Publishing. 